There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Health Essential Podcast brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. I'm your host, Deanna Pogorels, and we are recording here today at Cleveland Clinic Main Campus with Dr. Alberto Rubio Tapia. Dr. Rubio Tapia is a gastroenterologist here who is developing a comprehensive celiac disease treatment and research program here at Cleveland Clinic, and he's here to talk to us today about celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disease triggered by the protein gluten. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Um, and to our listeners, please remember that this is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace your own physician's advice. So, Dr. Rubio Tapia, I am assuming that most people who have heard of celiac disease associate it with gluten, um, and which we see kind of all over in the grocery store and in restaurants, that gluten-free signage. So, um, can you start by talking a little bit about what actually is gluten, and um, is it inherently harmful, or what is it? So, gluten actually is a natural protein in wheat, barley, and rye. It's not harmful for persons without celiac disease, but it's the real enemy for patients with celiac disease. Okay, and it's something that occurs naturally in food, not something that's added. That's correct. Okay. So, why is it dangerous to people who have celiac disease? So, gluten is a protein, and for patients with celiac disease, when they eat gluten, that protein causes an inflammatory reaction in the gut that leads to destruction of the absorption processes in the small bowel that are called villi, and also to systemic manifestations of the disease and complications. Okay, so it's inflammation. Um, so then, if people say they're avoiding gluten because of an intolerance or an allergy, that's something different, right? Yeah, it's totally different. I will say, in terms of the wheat allergy, is a very Common disease in children, it affects about 1% of children, and, but most children get over that allergy by age five. So that's more a, a, a childhood disease. Intolerance is, is more like a controversial topic. Uh, I think there is some people who really develop symptoms after eating gluten without having celiac disease and they get better on the gluten-free diet, and that's the current definition of gluten intolerance. We don't know exactly if gluten is the cause for the symptoms or a different component in wheat. And celiac disease, on the contrary, is a very well-defined entity. Okay, and how long has celiac disease been a known condition? It feels like we're hearing about it a lot more now, but is that just because we're getting better at noticing it? Yeah, that's, 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 that's true. So celiac disease was described in the first century by a Greek physician, but the real knowledge about the link between gluten and celiac disease is more new, about 1950s, by a Dutch physician called William Dickey. So the, that's the kind of the modern version of celiac disease that we know. And it happens all over the world, not just here in the U.S. That's correct. So they've prevalence of celiac disease around the world is around 1%. Okay. So if you think about this, for example, for countries like India, with a population of billions of people, 
a prevalence of 1% means a lot of celiacs. So what happens in the body of someone who has celiac disease when they consume gluten? What happens and what are some of the symptoms that they might have? So this is a very important point. Patients with celiac disease, when they, they eat gluten, they uh, gluten causes injury in the small bowel. So there's all inflammation and destruction of the villi. Symptoms may or may not be present. Okay. But it's very important for the patient to stay gluten-free because damage always occurs. Okay, so in terms of someone, you know, if someone just has kind of general digestive symptoms, what would kind of be the process of figuring out whether celiac disease might be the culprit? So I think the first step that is most important is that doctors in general think about the diagnosis. Because when we start thinking about the diagnosis, the initial step is a blood test to look for antibodies that are commonly associated with celiac disease. If these antibodies are positive, the next step is confirmation of the disease by doing a biopsy of the small bowel. Okay. Um, so this would be something that, you know, if somebody has digestive problems, they would mention it to their primary care physician who might refer them then to, to a gastroenterologist? So that's correct. So many of my patients are diagnosed, or at least the suspicious for the diagnosis is made with the primary care physician. Yeah. Are there any hallmark symptoms? Is there any kind of one way that a diagnosis tends to look? Are there hallmark symptoms that people tend to generally have, or you mentioned some don't even have symptoms? Yeah, so this is a very, that's what is very complicated about celiac disease. Some people may have symptoms, like, like classic symptoms are diarrhea, abdominal bloating, constipation, weight loss that is unexplained. In children, is a growth retardation. Is a, is a common symptom, but as much as 70% of the patients with newly diagnosed celiac disease may not have any gastrointestinal symptoms, yeah. and the diagnosis is made by testing high-risk populations. Okay, and so who would some of those high-risk populations be? So family members with celiac disease, uh, patients with type 1 diabetes, autoimmune conditions, unexplained anemia, unexplained bone disease, uh, fatigue. Okay, so if someone is diagnosed with celiac disease, what's the next step? So the next step is confirmation of the diagnosis. Make sure that the diagnosis is correct because uh, the treatment for celiac disease is a lifelong strict adherence to the gluten-free diet that is very complex and difficult for the patient sometimes. So. Um, confirmation of the diagnosis is the next step, then they will need a visit with a dietitian for instruction on the diet and regular follow-up. Does that affect a family also if one person has to eat gluten-free? Um, how does that play out in a household? It's a big change for the family and also important to recognize that about 10% of first-degree family members may be affected with celiac disease, then it's very important to check for celiac disease in first degree family members and follow the diet if the diagnosis is confirmed. So a first degree family member would be a parent or a sibling? Parents, siblings, and children. Okay, okay. Um, so then what would, so you know, if, if my father has it, um, would I also go to my primary care physician and ask for a, a blood test? That would, that would be the, the way to do it. Uh, we are working very hard in the celiac program to make that transition easy for the patients 
and trying to help them with the everything that is necessary to be tested because I think is that's one of the most important quality cilia care points after the diagnosis. Okay. What about a genetic test? Is there any place for that? So the genetic test is very tricky. It's not necessary for diagnosis for the vast majority of the patients. It's helpful when the, there is discrepancy between the antibodies in the blood and the biopsy, for example. It's present in 30% of the general population. Then having the genetic test is not equal to celiac disease, but it's very helpful to rule out the, the disease because if you don't have the genetic test, then celiac disease is not possible. Okay, interesting. Okay, so in terms of the gluten-free diet, um, do you think there is hope for any other kind of treatment in the future? Is that something that researchers are working on? Yeah, there is a significant need for alternatives to the gluten-free diet. There is no alternative currently available for patients with celiac disease, but that's the focus of research. Mm -hmm. What about a vaccine? Is that still in development or no? So the, the vaccine, unfortunately, is not working. So in the current way, they were testing the vaccine. It didn't work. So I think probably in the future with a different uh, technology, maybe possible, but not currently. Okay. What about when it's a child who is diagnosed? Is treatment approached in the same way, and what should parents know about the process? So it's, it's, the treatment is, is similar. It's a, a strict adherence to the gluten-free diet. Parents are key because the instruction goes to parents and also to children to make sure that they follow a regular gluten-free diet. The diagnosis is a little bit different because in children, there is the potential to avoid confirmation with biopsy in some cases. So that's a little bit invasive. That's why we would want to avoid that. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So when someone who has celiac disease cuts gluten from their diet, um, how long does it take the body to heal and does it heal? They heal. So for the, the symptoms to go away is usually within weeks. The antibodies that are, could be very high at the time of the diagnosis usually go back to normal after six months of following a gluten-free diet, and for sure it should be normal by uh, 12 months after following the gluten-free diet. Healing of the bowel takes longer and depends on the age of diagnosis. For example, for children, healing is achieved within two years in 90%. For adults, healing is achieved in about 40% within two years. Okay, but the fact that they have celiac disease never goes away. No, celiac disease is a definitive diagnosis and a lifelong diagnosis. Yeah. Okay. So what about um, so somebody who thinks they are intolerant to gluten, or if, if somebody cuts gluten out of their diet without having celiac disease, um, is that a bad thing? Are they going to be missing things from their diet? So we really don't know about that. So the clinical implications of following a gluten-free diet long-term without having the diagnosis of celiac disease is unknown. I think if the patient or person is getting some benefit for staying gluten-free, it's very reasonable okay. to consider continuation of the diet 
But I will say what is most important is to get tested before starting a gluten-free diet. Okay. Great. Well, is there anything else about celiac disease that you think our listeners really need to know or any other message you want to leave them with? So celiac disease is a very common problem. We need to think about this diagnosis in many, many conditions beyond gastrointestinal symptoms. There is a, a definitive treatment for this condition, that is the gluten-free diet with regular medical follow-up. And most patients do really well on the diet uh, with treatment. Okay. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. And if you'd like to schedule an appointment with Cleveland Clinic's Digestive Disease Institute, please visit clevelandclinic.org digestive or call 216-444-7000. And to listen, more, to listen to more of our Health Essentials podcast episodes with our Cleveland Clinic experts, you can visit clevelandclinic.org slash HEPodcast or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more health tips, news, and information, follow us at Cleveland Clinic, all one word, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.